You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. And we're off and running, Screening in Kingston. This is the second week in a row, Taylor, where things kind of feel... A normal more normal yeah yeah like at least for this show we're about to review some movies that we went to the theaters to see um you know it's it's a little bit different than than the feeling from even two months ago yeah it's almost like we're in the before times as yeah. <laughs> as it will be known as um slowly getting back to normal yeah I think so. I mean, and first, you know, everyone's a little different during this time. And, and for some, you know, there's, there's new normals, but certainly in terms of the movie going scene, like we, we're going to catch up on a couple new releases from the past couple of weeks and we've got new films to talk about. And that's pretty much as normal as this show gets. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we talk about movies and our disappointments and then that's about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you have, uh, you're giving me a little bit of a, a sneak peek. There's going to be some disappointment on uh, your behalf today. Yeah, I was giving I was giving a little bit of a rant to you before we even started recording. Um, so you get to hear it twice. Um, but yeah, my movie going experience from the past week has not been super positive. So <laughs> that, but again, everyone... <laughs> status quo. I saw some movies that were overpriced and very disappointing and. I don't know why they exist. So <laughs> here we are. It'll be great. It'll be a classic screening in Kingston episode. Yeah. Like sometimes in a television show or, or you're, you know, in a series, there's, there's episodes that are superbly amazing or just like so bad that you're like, why is like, I don't know how they let that go. This would be one of the standard episodes mm-hmm. you can point to and say, oh yeah, this one. This is just a standard episode of screening in Kingston, uh, not one of the not one of the funky ones. So you know that's that's kind of that's nice. It's nice to go back to what you know. Yeah. Um, we do have fan questions to to kick things off, um, and and we will get to those first from from Josh as usual, and Lily has written in as well. Um, but before we do that, I just want I, I have something I got to get off my chest. Oh, uh, oh, geez. And yeah, don't worry. This is gonna be this is gonna be a, a long rant or anything. But you know the the show that that I may not name and do not want to speak its name of. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yes. Okay. Does it? it the initials are ST. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> S S. Uh, the initials are ST. Um, and I I will not mention the name of this show, but I gotta say that some of their most recent announcements and press releases have me hopping mad because it ignores the rest of, of Star Trek. And I'm not talking about canon here, Taylor. I'm not talking about, uh, oh, you said this and to say this. Oh, I'm fine with things changing. I'd, I'm not good with you claiming something is the first time something's ever happened and saying, oh, I'm going to, we're going to take a lot of pride because we did this thing to show that we're more inclusive. And I just feel like if you have to do that, it just means you're not. Oh, I so, think I saw know. that headline. You did see that headline. Like okay, the first so non-binary character? Yes. And, okay, fine. Let's get into it. You know what? <laughs> I mean, it. I don't know enough about the show, but I think that was the that headline. Is that is a false 
headline. They went to an entire planet of non-binary people in Star Trek The Next Generation. That is a false headline. If you're going to sit there and say, look how, what's that term? What was that term that was thrown around to say that you're, um, you're, you're really like... Uh, woke? Yeah, thank you. Okay, I couldn't remember. Woke. Um, I knew it had something to do with being awake or something. If you're gonna, if you're gonna say you be woke, and that's fine, and, and you want you like, we want to be very sensitive, and we want to make sure we're we're always looking out for everyone being included. I'm on board for that, mainly because Star Trek was always about that. But whatever. The point is, is you shouldn't have to say it and scream it at the loud, like at the top of the rooftop, being like, "Look at us! Look at the great thing we've done! We've got the first ever non-binary characters on Star Trek." That is incorrect. One, they went to a planet uh, in Star Trek uh, The Next Generation, as I mentioned, with the entire species non-binary. The character of Odo, non-binary. I I came up with four examples when I was ranting about this, but I was about to tweet something and then I deleted it because that's what I normally do. I'm about to tweet about Star Trek and then I get really angry and then I stop. So there was two more examples, but I'm too fed up and mad right now to, to even think about it. I hate... When this is what I don't like about Star Trek Discovery. See, now I even said the name. Now I'm even more mad. This is what I don't like about it. They go around saying how great they are. So therefore they're not. They go around saying how inclusive they are. Therefore you're not. If you got to run around saying it, then you're probably not that thing. There you go. You just want them to walk the walk. Just do it. Not talk the talk. They're trying too hard. Yes, you're trying too hard. And and going back to Shakespeare, the most misunderstood quote of Shakespeare's time about uh, persisting too much. And people always say like, oh, that's when people say no too much. That's what Shakespeare meant. No, that's not what Shakespeare meant. What Shakespeare meant is if you have to say you're something, you're probably not that thing. There you go. Rant <laughs> and moving on. Moving rant, on. Rant over. Rant over. <laughs> uh, Tyler Vance. You're going to get an email from me. <laughs> we we, we got to do some Star Trek talk or I'm going to explode. Um, let's get to some fan questions. Let's move on. Go to some fan questions. Okay. Can't wait. Uh, Josh. Let's kick off with Josh. Uh, he doesn't bring up anything that's going to make me upset. So here we go. Josh says, oh, hey, Michael, do you think Tenet will win Academy Awards this year due to the lack of competition? And would this physically upset you? Um. I think this question would upset you. You said, oh, he's not going to ask anything that will upset <laughs> yeah. me. You got pretty <laughs> heated about the sound mixing last week. And I'm already <laughs> all riled up uh, just because, again, it's just it's only because I, I, I'm passionate and I care so much about Star Trek and it teaches such great lessons that I don't like when people besmirch it or do weird stuff like this. The, the tenant anger I have is more I just don't think it's as good as some people really seem to think it is. Like there's a lot, which of, means it's gonna win the Oscar. Exactly. That's yeah, like typically what happens. Some Oscars. I, I just couldn't see it winning an Oscar for the awful sound that was in that movie. But again, well, enough people. Bohemian like, Rhapsody won Best Editing. You're right. What am I saying? Yeah, it'll probably <laughs> win Best Picture, Best Sound Mixing. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if it got like some of the production design awards. And stuff like if it got nominated for a bunch of things, because as like a, a film, it was beautifully shot and the sets look great and everything's practical and it feels real. So that's that's nice. But yeah, I I, I mean, there's there's no there's not really going to be any competition this year. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, Tenet's going to win Best Picture and Star Trek Discovery is going to win a bunch of Emmys. That's probably how it's going to go. <laughs> That's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just, yeah. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> um, Taylor, this next question is for you. Here, let's, uh, let's give me a break here. Um, Taylor, are there any horror movie gimmicks or cliches that you hate? So he says that his would be when a large blast of the soundtrack is used as the scare factor, such as in the Insidious movies with loud bursts of violin screeching. I think uh, the setting and suspense and mood with the soundtrack is better than using it solely as the soundtrack for that factor. So do you, do you agree with Josh on that? And do you have a cliche in horror movies that you're not a big fan of? Um, I guess I don't, it's been a really long time since I've seen the, seen the insidious movies. Um, but if memory serves, like normally they, they would show that like, red and black like devil guy and then there would be like a loud noise and that was the scare right um if that i think that's what he's referring to um i would like i'm trying to think like i don't know i just always enjoy horror movies as an experience and I'm trying to think if there's any like gimmicks that I think are overplayed and I know I've talked a lot about it on the show about how um people a lot of horror fans are like anti-jump scare where like I have no problem with the jump scare um I just feel like the only thing that's coming to mind like the horror movie that I've hated the most most recently is Hereditary and it's not like they relied on any gimmicks. I just didn't like the story. Like I thought the story was really predictable. Um, and you were kind of alone in that. Like everyone seemed to love her. Yeah. I don't know how everyone, I like knew from the get go what was happening in that movie. And so I wasn't, nothing was scary. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I knew I'm like, it, enough time has passed with this movie. So I can give a, a like a small spoiler alert. Like, it's very evident that the grandma was involved in a cult that needed her children to do whatever the cult was going to do. So that wasn't much of a mystery in the film. No! like, <laughs> And so I spent the whole time being like, okay, when are you going to, like tell me the mythology of this cult? Like, I'm very into, like, I like cult movies. So I'm like, okay, like, I want to know more about this cult. And then you don't really hear about anything until the like last five minutes of the movie. And apparently everyone was like traumatized by the last five minutes of the movie. And I'm like, no. And you were like, blind. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It wasn't that bad. So um, I guess I just don't like, I guess my thing with the hereditary was that they acted like it was like a novel st- like plot device or like it was like, this movie's turning horror movies on its head. And I I could not identify what part of the film people were so impressed by. Because I'm like, this is your run-of-the-mill cult horror movie. Well, Tony Collette's performance got talked about quite a bit. Um, yeah, but... And then, yeah, it's not the, the movie in general. It's not the first time that you've had a very strong horror lead. No. This is what I hate when critics review like 
these like mainstream horror movies being like, this is finally what the genre needs to make it mainstream. And it's like, and it's had it all the time. Yeah. Like <laughs> isn't that annoying Taylor. Isn't it annoying when someone <laughs> somewhere releases a press release and is like, this is the first time ever we've done this. And they, there's like millions of examples of it. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. So that's my problem with horror, <laughs> with horror movies is when, you know, the thing about horror movies is that as a genre, it has conventions and tropes. And I have no problem with those because that's what defines the genre. Sure. You know, there are certain narrative devices that are used. There are certain film techniques and, um, as a horror fan, I go into the movie thinking, yes, okay, um, uh, those those things help me enter into that narrative and make sense of that world, right? It's like the same with like a rom-com. You, can ex- you know what you're going to expect with a rom-com because it relies on traditional yeah. tropes and storytelling and it's, it's not a bad thing. It helps the viewer enter into the story. Yeah. So in terms of horror movies, I don't have like too many problems um with like certain horror tropes i would say um no there isn't really anything that i'm like oh that's annoying yeah or like that really took away from my movie going experience i'm sure if i could think of like a horror movie i didn't like i maybe then would be able to identify things that they did that i found annoying but really, in my most recent memory, the only horror movie that I can think of is Hereditary. And again, it wasn't like they were relying on classic horror tropes yeah. that were annoying. It was just that they were relying on classic horror tropes and pretending like this was the first time yeah. that horror movies have ever done this. It's like we and don't I have t- the ability as a society these days to remember things from like a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. It's like... What do we just have short term memories now? Is that what's happening? I thought when I was reading reviews for Hereditary, I honestly got the impression that people who don't normally watch horror movies watched Hereditary right. and enjoyed it. Yeah. And thought this is what horror movies should be doing. But it's like if you watch other horror movies, you'd realize that other like they're doing this it. This is yeah. they're doing it. You're, they're they're <laughs> assuming that they're not doing this. Because I know there was so much buzz about her performance, right? Like, so I I think maybe there's this perception that horror movies are maybe B movies where they don't hire like good actors. Just because you don't know the actor by face doesn't mean that they're not turning in good performances. I think like in the past couple years, we've had some great performances out of horror movies. Like most of the ones I've seen have been good. Well, you just recently have been going back to the Conjuring universe. Yeah, they're great. I would say, by and large, aside for a couple of the spinoffs, um, those cast those cast members deliver very good, believable, authentic, grounded performances. Both Conjuring movies, I agree with you one hundred percent, and all the Annabelle movies I've seen, at least, I agree with you. I like again, I I haven't seen the Nun, and I haven't seen the um, the other spinoff, uh, La Harona. But but the other, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think the Conjuring and Annabelle series have turned even the Annabelle, um, the the most recent one, the Annabelle Comes Home, where yeah. where you've got two teenagers and a younger 
uh, girl and like younger actors, you never know what you're going to get out of them. They were they did a great job. Yeah, they were still like they still deliver believable, strong performances. And like the a lot of um, reviewers were saying, like, "Oh my goodness!" Like, let's applaud Hereditary for exploring themes like horror, not for the sake of horror. Like, it's exploring thematic subject matter. Most. that's what movies do. Yes. Like, like that's, you're just, that's, that's the mark of a good storyteller is that even though this movie is about ghosts, oh, plot twist, it's not actually about ghosts. Yeah. That's like how horror operates yeah. as a genre. It's like these people have never seen movies. Like, it's like <laughs> critics go and they've never seen a movie prior and this is their first time and they, they say like things like, oh, all movies should be like this. They, they, they like finally we're having a horror renaissance horror yeah. ent- enters the mainstream like what when, no when, like it's been part of the mainstream for a very long time lots of people go see horror movies yeah so anyways i guess that was a very long tangent um that's fair i, I had a tangent mike, already, so. yeah mike you had your rant um now yeah. i'm having my rant about hereditary <laughs> which i think is on the bingo card yes um it so. definitely is <laughs> Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, there's something to be said about genre conventions. And me personally, as a film goer, I enjoy genre conventions. And sometimes filmmakers twist those conventions on their head. And that's what makes the film interesting. Um, sometimes maybe they, um, stumble with the genre con- conventions and it's not so great. Um, so that's probably what, um, this, uh, this qu- Josh is asking about. I think sometimes, um, playing with genre conventions work and sometimes they don't. Um, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, but there isn't any one specific trope that I have issues with. Okay. Yeah. That, I think that's, that's totally fair. Uh, last question from Josh. Uh, He says, last week, Taylor mentioned Dan's aversion to the ketchup topping on popcorn. Are there any of these habits, routines that either of you have when watching movies that you think might bug others? Okay, Josh the Inquisitor. Um, Do you have any habits or routines with movies, Taylor, that bug other people? Well, obviously, Dan doesn't like my popcorn eating habits um <laughs> yeah so there that's there's that i know that when i'm with other people yeah. i do have the impulse to be a little bit of a movie talker so i try obviously like in a movie theater to really keep that to a minimum but um if i'm watching a movie if i'm introducing someone to a movie for the first time at my house like I'm very much like on edge to see whether or not they're enjoying it. And I might like be a little bit of a movie talker. I would say like in the actual movie theater, probably my laughing would be off putting to some people. Like if I'm seeing a, a comedy, yeah. like I would be laughing too much and too loud. I can see so that being annoying. Loud? Like you, you laugh at the appropriate times, but you're just really loud. Um, sometimes I don't laugh at the appropriate times. Like I laughed at the final scene of the lobster and I left the movie theater and I heard someone say, 
someone was laughing really loud in that final scene. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if they were like, they were annoyed by it or more like, what the hell was wrong with this girl for laughing at the final scene? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I would say that just being, um, just being like a lot, like a loud reactions, like in terms of laughing or like being scared, like, (gasps) or like a scream. But I'm not, like, I don't get up in the middle of the movie. I don't, like, open candy packages. Like, nothing like that. Yeah. And those, to me, those are really the only things that I can think of that would even annoy me, which is what I try to stay away from, is is opening the candy forever or standing up in the middle of the movie or talking during the movie. Going pee, like, Going five times. Like, I don't mind. I've never been one to worry or mind about little side comments like if you're with someone and something happens and they make a little comment like that's okay to me it's just when you get into like full conversations that's what yeah, I'm like I wouldn't do that yeah I don't again I'd have to ask people I don't think I have any movie going habits that that bother people I think the only thing is that I I bug people because of how early I like to be at the theater I like oh that bugs that I know that bugs my friends too yeah I like to be there early I like to like not be rushed sit down kind of get into the atmosphere um I really like to warm up to a movie like sit I like the process of sit down nothing's playing for a bit then a little preview comes on and then you get into trailers and then the movie I kind of like being part of all of that yeah I definitely um I'm a very punctual person and I like being early to everything, but especially to um, a movie. I guess less so now because it's become more commonplace to reserve seats. Yeah. And at the screening room, you actually have to reserve seats now because yeah. of COVID. So I find that I, and in fact, the screening room encourages people not to come early. Um, so um, you can physically distance and stuff, you know, like, so the lobby isn't super full. Um so I'm finding the last two movies I've been to, I've come like maybe t- like 10, 15 minutes early, but you know, my, my tickets already been purchased. My seats are always already been reserved. So I do find it still gives me enough time to like get my popcorn, go to the washroom, but in like normal time, like pre COVID time and definitely like pre booking tickets, I would go to the movies like 40 plus minutes before the movie started. Oh, me too. Absolutely. And uh, I know that bothered people. Bothered a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you, you got to do what you got to do. And if you're bringing a group of people like I used to do where I'm bringing like 10 to 15 people with me, it's like, especially this particular group, it's kind of like putting kittens into a box. Like it's really tough. You know, you, you get them all settled and then someone starts walking away over here and then you got to hand out the tickets and then people have to go to the bathroom and then timely time. So it's like you kind of got to I always felt like I had to herd them a little bit. So it's a whole production. It is. Yeah, very, very much was. Um, thank you, Josh, for those questions. Uh, Lily has our last fan question for today. She just wants a this is a point of clarification email that she's sending. Oh, she OK. No, this is a point of clarification that's required. So she says she wants a point of clarification on this bingo card. Is the bingo game only per episode or can you call bingo collectively after a few episodes? I guess we're confusing her with that. Um, (laughs) I always saw bingo as it it goes until someone gets a bingo and then it resets, doesn't it? Yeah, like a bingo game would be you would play until someone got bingo. Yeah. But I would – 
for me, this is like per episode. Because otherwise, it's like everyone's going to get bingo. There's no way we would ever talk about that much stuff in one episode. <laughs> like, there's no way we would say all that. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's possible. I, I, Are we that predictable? Like, <laughs> we're going to talk about many of these topics in one episode? But that's, like, the fun is that, like, some episodes we won't get to all the topics. Because if you're going to let it go as long as possible, everyone's going to get bingo. Yeah, it's not, yeah, like, yeah. like it takes no... It's like you get bingo and then you reset. So like, so, like, it's a couple episodes, but whoever emails us with a bingo first, everyone has to start over again. Like that's, okay. that's the way I kind of looked at it, but maybe there's just two types of bingo. Maybe there's the regular bingo. And then there's, if you get it all in one episode, it's like a special bingo. Yeah. We can do it both ways. I mean, I, now that I'm thinking about the bingo card, I think we've already hit at least three or four things today. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think it should be per episode and we should clarify Lily. There is no prize, but your own glory. Yeah. So. Right now until we decide to turn it into a game and give up. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, you know, could happen. But also, you know, again, maybe another shout out to Tyler Vance. He is the creator of the bingo card. Maybe he can do a ruling on this. Um, yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Let, let, let Tyler weigh in. Because yeah, you and I both have different ways. So let's have Tyler decide and weigh in here. He's the creator of the bingo card. So he'll tell us uh, at some point in time what uh, what's the what should be the ruling on the bingo card? And then we'll, we'll go from there. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's it for fan questions this week. Thank you to everyone who wrote in again. If you want to be part of this podcast, if you want to write in, you can anytime go to our website, screeningandkingston.com or email us at screeningandkingston at gmail.com. Fun. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk some movies, Taylor. Uh, where to begin? What should the, where should we begin? Um, I saw I saw Mulan through the Disney Plus sort of service, and I saw the New Mutants, and you saw the third Bill and Ted movie. Uh, yep, Bill and Ted face faces the music. Face the music. Okay, well, why don't we uh, let's we'll, we'll sandwich this. I'll I'll say one of mine first, and then we'll go to Bill and Ted, and then and then we'll conclude on the other one. Um, cool. Let's uh, well let's let's talk a little bit about the New Mutants. Um, because it was actually in theaters. Um, you said last week, uh, I don't know if you said it on air, so we might not have a record of it, but you told me you weren't even going to bother to go see it because it was getting such bad reviews. I think I said that off air, but also on air. Um, <laughs> and then I decided to see it. Well, this is what happened. So again, we, we, before we started recording today, Taylor and I were just sort of catching up on, on how long weekends go. Um, and how I'm feeling quite sluggish. And Saturday, I decided, okay, I don't have much planned till the evening, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a long walk to to the landmark movie theater because it's it's somewhat close to where I live, but also long enough that it's a nice it's a nice long walk. So I went to see a movie around like noon, one o'clock ish, and that's what was playing. So I just right. decided ah, I'll see New Mutants. I, I, I'm interested in this genre. So I just sort of decided to see it. And this was before I, on, on Sunday on a whim, I decided to, to also watch Mulan. So I ended up not having to do both, but it was just on a whim. So yeah, I, I definitely wasn't going to see this. And then I decided to see it. And kind of just because it was the only thing playing by the sounds. Pretty much. I mean, I it was like by default, I that was what you saw. And you know, there's not a lot of, 
I wanted to, you know to catch up on some of the new releases. Pretty much, I wanted to see every new release except for Unhinged. So yeah. we could, you know, we don't have to talk about that movie. Um, but yeah, I, I just decided to see the New Mutants. I was more fascinated by everything that happened around this movie because it was supposed to come out in 2017. But what had happened was is that it was supposed to come out and then it got delayed for reshoots. It got delayed. It's been plagued by problems. Yeah, and then Disney bought Fox. So before Fox could release it, Disney purchased Fox and suddenly had this movie that they didn't know what to do with. So they were contractually obligated to release it to, to theaters. And so now I think they just decided, well, not a lot of people are going to theaters right now. Anyway. Let's offload it during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, let's just get it out there <laughs> now when nobody's there. Um, and this is this is a movie that I think will be remembered for its very very interesting road to getting into the theaters, but not necessarily for the movie. Like the story behind how this movie was pushed back and made and kind of became part of this buyout from Disney is more interesting than the film itself. Um, there's not much that happens in this movie that's not like very cookie cutter, even though its attempt and even the potential was there to make a very interesting movie. And it was trying to be of the superhero genre, but also a horror movie. It just, it just failed to do everything that I think it wanted to do. Its characters were a little standard. The it's almost, so basically the, the story is it follows this one character. She's a, a teen or like really early teens, preteen, just kind of, discovering she has mutant abilities that's always been part of um, and you should mention this is like part of the x-men universe very loosely yeah there's one tie-in in the movie that that makes it part of that universe so yeah they are mutants and and the same as what happens in the x-men universe for all the films is that uh it's basically around puberty and something dra- dramatic happening to a person is how they discover their mutant powers it usually comes in and around the same time because it's very genetic that you, you get this mutant ability. So the story really revolves around this one person being sent to this hospital, but it's very clearly not a hospital. Um, it feels more like uh, a mental asylum and it okay. really feels this the dingy, low staff, low lighting, only a couple patients. Like they're clearly taking young people who they believe have mutant abilities and are sticking them here to do experiments on them. Right. Which is another, which is a, that's a pretty good horror movie setup. Uh, Exactly. The premise is great. The setup is great. It, it it had all the potential in the world, but the five, I think, uh, yeah, mainly five teens or young people that you follow are just kind of cliche characters. You can tell instantaneously, Oh, you know, this, this guy's the, the jerk. Uh, this girl's the nice girl. This girl's the girl with the chip on her shoulder. This guy is the, the always been a geek and made fun of his whole life. Like they're just very generic characters. Are they based on, they are based on actual characters though. Like comic. Absolutely. Yeah. They are book arc, right? They are based on actual characters, uh, but probably in name only from what I can tell. Because even though it seems like the powers they all have were just kind of like pulled out of a hat, often in X-Men, they do a very good job of pairing 
personality and powers together, or they show how the power you get ends up helping to define who you are as a person. But they just, it seems very random and they just sort of threw everything at the wall and just saw what what would work and what what didn't. And I think the movie falters a lot in trying to do the horror thing, but then the third act of the movie just turns into a typical superhero movie ending. Um, It never completes the promise. There's probably four or five legitimate jump scare or thriller moments where you feel like, oh, this could be right out of a horror movie, but that's about it. And it quickly turns into something else. And I just think it didn't do enough as a film to to really stick to its guns of we're going to make a horror movie and it just so happens they have superpowers. Like I even know how they could have done it. Like as I'm watching the movie, if I come up with better ways to do things, that's how I know a movie's bad because I'm not, I'm no screenwriter. I'm not a Hollywood anything. So I shouldn't be able to come up with something that would be more like pleasing. And they- I've said it before. It's just two idiots on a podcast. Exactly. And if we Plus two with- idiots can. <laughs> if we can come up with a better concept, then then your movie is probably not not that good. You're in trouble. Yeah, I think they 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 make the characters too cliche. They don't spend any time building them. The first part of the movie moves very slowly. The horror part, which is kind of like the middle part of the movie, is probably my favorite part. And if they had really dug into that, like if this committed was- sorry. If they had committed to the horror yeah, idea, right? Exactly. If this had been like someone like um, like James Wan had been like, okay, I'm basically making The Conjuring, but one of them's going to have powers and they discover it eventually. Cool. Like that, I'd be on board. You're going to really stick to the genre. You're going to make it kind of work within that. But they they just didn't. They they made it kind of a meh movie. And, and I left it going, if this had come out in 2017, when it was supposed to, I probably would have left the movie being like, uh, nice try, not great, not in my top X-Men movies, but, you know, whatever. It was, it, it was okay. It was just a fine movie. Um, but now I think, I think the, the most interesting part of this is the story about how it um, came out to the theaters. And it was just meh. It, it was kind of okay that it sat on Disney's shelf for three years because well, we're not missing anything. So the New Mutants, to me, is a skip it because it's just, you're not missing anything from, from not seeing it. There's no real value it gives. It's a very loose connection even to the X-Men universe. So even if you're a huge diehard X-Men fan, I don't even think you're going to get much out of this. Like, I don't think there's, there's much here. Um, and I, I just think it was a miss on, on all cylinders. Were they conceiving it as a franchise? Mm. Well, they definitely set it up in a way where there were cert- there, there were elements by the end where you're like, oh, we, we're now going to follow the journey of these people. There was definitely a bit of that in there. Um, the New Mutants is a run of comic books and could have been a franchise. And the idea of them eventually teaming up with the X-Men is probably what was going to happen. So yeah, I think this movie was probably setting up the idea that it can go forward because it definitely left it in in that way where they we can now go somewhere with these characters. Hmm. I did. I've been um, 
I saw a review. I didn't actually re read the review for it, but I was reading my new favorite COVID holiday uh, hobby is reading Facebook comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> really? <laughs> especially on topics I'm not invested in because, mm. um, you know, no skin off my nose if someone has a different opinion than me. But um, the comments I was reading on the review for New Mutants, it seems that um, people's general consensus is that it was okay. Yeah. Like, it was, like, it was a good movie, like, in the sense that, you know, you paid your 12 bucks, and you had a good movie-going experience, and then you went home. Yeah. That kind of seemed to be... Yeah. Which, if, if Fox still owned X-Men, and there was room to grow, and this had come out three years ago when it was supposed to, I probably would have felt the same, but I am a little clouded by, this is going nowhere anyway... It was shelved for so long. It's kind of like pointless to get even invested in it. So I, it was just kind of pointless and useless and just sort of existed. And I don't even think as a one-off, it was it was interesting enough. I think it was, would have been more of a, oh, well, that's a miss. Not as egregiously bad as some of the X-Men movies, but not as good as the potential is. So yeah, it's kind of middle of the ground. But for all the everything around it, I think that's why I give it a skip it is because it, I like to put things into context and this movie still, you got to put it into some context and the context of it is it's not going anywhere. So yeah, I, I don't disagree with some of those uh, reviews and comments of like people saying like, eh, it was okay. Cause yeah, this is probably just a popcorn movie. Yeah. Spend your $12. Maybe you're with some friends, have a good laugh, go home, never think about yeah. it again. Yeah. I think also um, because we're so starved for new media, we have higher standards, right? For sure. Whereas, like, if, you know, if there was like ten movies to choose from, and you know, we were at the movie theater, and you were kind of like, whatever, it was fine, it was good. I'll just go to the movies next week. Um, now it's like. It's really slim pickings. Yeah, so I, you want you want the things to be good. You know? I've been pretty disappointed so far with what I've seen. Like there's been a couple good things out there, but but a lot of what I've seen so far I haven't enjoyed. So I think you're absolutely right. I think the slim pickings makes it you want it things to be a little bit better. You want it to be worth it, right? Yeah. Well, and I and I do still think there's something to being a movie fan or a comic book fan or or somebody who loves the content. If you can sit there and dream up how it can be done better, I think that's a problem. Fair. Which I don't have when I come out of some superhero movies where I'm just like, that was incredible, or that's exactly what I wanted, or or that was not where I thought it was going to go, but I'm still I'm still loving it. You know, it, I, I I absolutely think that that's a factor too. So anyway, the New Mutants for me, it's a skip it. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about yeah, Bill and Ted. You saw Bill and Ted face the music. The, I believe it's the third movie in this. It is, yeah. And I'm under. I think it's this is considered like the third installment in the trilogy in a trilogy. Okay, like, I, I've it, only seen the first one. Yeah, so I don't. When the first the first one came out, I think it was envisioned as like a one off. Yeah. But it was so successful that. Um, like two years later, they released the second one. And I'm pretty, as far as I know, I don't know a lot about the production history, but I think those two movies were considered like, that's it, you know, like we made two. Um, but over the years, the, those two films have gained such a cult following. I think that there was a lot of fan demand for a third movie. 
So I don't know if it was originally um, envisioned to be uh, a trilogy and they were just waiting for the right time. Um, but I think now you can consider it a trilogy. And um, it had a bit of an interesting production history too. Um, it wasn't pushed back the way New Mutants was, but I think a script was written as early as maybe 2010. Like they, oh, wow. they, um, and Keanu Reeves, and I apologize, I can't remember the name of the, uh, of um, uh, the other character. Alec Ted. Winter. Alec Winter. Alex Winter, yeah. Alex Winter, um, who now makes documentaries. Apparently, yeah. that's his uh, yeah, his current he's been profession. Documentaries for a while, yeah. Yeah, so Alex and Keanu were have always been on board, um, and I think they were just looking for a studio to back it. Essentially, they were just, or it was not even um, so much for financing for distribution. They didn't know um, who would d- d- distribute the movie um, once it was produced. So um, it took. You know, it took a while to get going, but um, it we have it now, and it's actually, you know, a very nice movie. That's what like, I. I, I <laughs> yeah, like, I like, this is such a nice movie. Like I think just people wanted yeah, something like, positive, <laughs> and it definitely is just, um, you know that that like there's obviously like the central conflict of the film that Bill and Ted have to write this song in order to unite the universe. And if they don't write this song, the universe is essentially going to implode. So there are stakes, like, you know, there's the central conflict of the film, like, oh my goodness, they have to write this song. How are they going to do it? But because it's a Bill and Ted movie and you know that they're going to be successful. So um, it's not like a lot of anxiety because you know how sometimes you watch a movie and you really don't know whether or not the hero is going to pull it off. With the Bill and Ted movie, you know, okay, Bill and Ted's going to pull this off. It's all going to work out, and it's going to be totally bodacious, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really excellent. So, um, and it was, and um, in my opinion, it's actually better than the first two movies. Really? So, yeah, luckily, um, Dan and I watched the first two movies. I guess a couple months ago, because Dan either hadn't seen both of them or hadn't seen them all the way through. So we just had a, we rented them from classic video. And so it was good that we had watched them fairly recently because it was fresh in my mind. Um, But I would say, yeah, it was almost a better, a better movie than the first two. Um, Is it like the best movie? Is this like an Oscar movie? No, obviously not. But it is really fun from start to finish. Yeah. Um, Dan said, oh, we had some good laughs, but not as many as Sonic. So that's Dan's review. So (laughs) not quite to Sonic's level. Not Sonic level. Um, Maybe Detective Pikachu level, but um, not quite Sonic. But even Dan had said he had gone in with very low expectations, saw it more as just an opportunity to go to the movies. This was the first time Dan had been to the movies since Sonic. Um, so he was going into it more um, just as like a nice movie going experience. And he he said, oh, well, I actually enjoyed the movie than I thought I would. I enjoyed the movie more than I thought I would. It was actually better than he thought. Um, and I think that's kind of everyone's general consensus of this movie is that it's better than we thought it would be. Yeah. It's a nice movie start to finish, a funny script. Like there were some laugh out loud mo- moments. And Given the current climate that we're in, not just COVID, but all of kind of the 
you know, politics are really contentious and all the rest. Um, you kind of just want a movie that you can watch and be like, that's nice. And you know, what like, I remember about Bill and Ted is they're just, they're two optimists. They're yeah. optimistic, they're friendly, they're nice people. And sometimes you want to just follow those characters. Yeah, you just want to see nice people do nice things and get what they deserve because they're nice, right? Yeah. Because we kind of live in a cynical society where, you know, a lot of movies, even though they hear, they're the heroes, they don't have happy endings, yeah. right? Like that or... You know, even in the superhero movies you love so much, Mike, mm. sometimes the hero dies. That's correct. And that's like, that's, and that's real life. Yeah. But sometimes you just want to watch a movie where you know it's going to have a happy ending. And even if there's conflict in the middle of the film, you know that it's only going to get the characters to where they need to be. Yeah, you just, sometimes you just want to see Batman win. Yeah. And sometimes you're okay when Batman loses, but too much of one thing can be bad. So every once in a while, you just want to see Batman win. Yeah, it's like maybe Batman gets knocked down in the second movie, but he ultimately triumphs in the third. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so with Bill and Ted, you know, they get, you know, knocked down a couple times, but the end of the movie um, is really satisfying. It's a really satisfying movie, I would say, um, in the story. Dan thought it was pretty predictable, but again, it's a, this isn't like an Oscar worthy. I We can't even use Oscar worthy because here we're pretty cynical about the Oscars, but um, you know, is this going to win any awards for screenwriting? Maybe not, um, but you can just sit with it and enjoy it and yeah. it, it will be a nice movie going experience. Um, yeah. From my understanding, it has been released um, to theaters. Obviously, I, I saw it at the screening room. It's also available um, on demand. So mm -hmm. if your if your TVs have um, on demand, I believe you can essentially rent it that way. Um, for me, it definitely is a see it. Um, again, just I always um, in in these times, I caution people, you know, don't run out to the movie theater if you don't feel safe. Right. But um, if you do have the opportunity to watch Bill and Ted, I think just given our current times and how everyone just needs to smile once in a while, this is going to be a pretty satisfying movie. Grab a tub of popcorn, grab your friends, and just enjoy a nice, lighthearted, feel-good movie. Which I think some people want to go to the movies just for that. And that yeah. would be what finally says, okay, well, this movie is going to just be fun and we're just going to enjoy it. And that's what I want. Like, you need, you know, going in, it's a Bill and Ted movie. The first two are really goofy. This movie was goofy, but yeah. like in a good way. Well, they all have goofy premises. Oh, yeah. So you have to be on board for that to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Bill and Ted face the music. You giving it a see it? Sounds yes. like a delightful little optimistic film, which is great. It was. That's awesome. Um, so the last movie that uh, that we're going to talk about today is Mulan that I watched for some reason. This is another another installment of Disney's live action remake. Uh, done a little differently because uh, only available on Disney Plus for thirty dollars. So in addition to having Disney Plus, it's, they call it premium access. So you can pay money to get these larger films, so you can watch it. So yeah, I, I 
I think the money. <laughs> before we even get into the review, let's break down this pricing model. Yeah. Because I think this is highway robbery. I think this is just bad business practices. I get that they're trying to obviously recoup costs yeah like they they expected to do a full theatrical run with mulan um and now that that's probably not happening in the near future because i can't imagine even though movie theaters are opening up and you are able to see movies not not nearly as many people are going to the theaters and i can't imagine families will be running out to the theaters and that would have been the target demographic for this movie 100 percent um so (laughs) Thirty dollars. Do you get to, do you get to keep a digital download? Well, I okay, that's unclear because it's still there on my Disney Plus. I don't know how long I have it for, but I've paid the thirty dollars and it's still there and, and accessible. I don't know if it's like it disappears after a certain period of time. I wasn't prompted on that, so I'm not hundred percent sure. But to be honest, I wasn't even looking. I just paid, I just clicked to pay, and then I watched the movie. Um, I didn't even really think twice about it, which I probably should have. But sometimes I get, Taylor, it's a me thing. Sometimes I get into this mood where I just like, I don't spend money on myself a lot. And the only thing I usually spend money on is movies. Like I'd go buy DVDs or go to the movies. Yeah. Or whatever. And sometimes I'm just like, I've done it on Amazon Prime and I'm like, $5, I'll rent this. <laughs> like, and just press the button. Uh, so it's kind of what happened with Mulan. I just sort of clicked on it. So I have no idea how long I have it for. So, um, because with Amazon Prime, it is a rental, right? Like, five, you have 48 hours, yeah, you have two 48 hours, yeah, but like, five, I can justify a five dollar. It's five dollars for most things, it's only 15 or 20 when it's like new, new releases. But like, that's any of the Conjuring movies or Annabelle movies that I couldn't find on my platforms, I rented them for four dollars or five dollars on Amazon, yeah. So, I just think. And we had mentioned before we were recording, even if, so you're, you know, you were on, I assume you were on your own when you watched this, right? So like you paid like essentially $30 for a movie ticket. Correct. Say you had like a family of four, you're getting a little more cost effective. You know, that's still, that's cheaper than going to the movie theater. But my whole thing is like, Disney, you are like a, a, a media monolith. Like you are... You, like, the amount of money Disney controls and makes and, like, has reserves of, I can't even fathom as, like, a poor little church mouse. And they're literally nickel and diming yeah. their existing customers. Yeah. I just can't even, like, to me it's... diming as a general rule, for sure. It just seems, like, crooked to me. It's not like Disney needs the money. Yeah, and... Because... And I, I get like, again, you set this up in a way where like, I get where the thinking comes from is they're like, well, we were planning a run and this movie costs a lot of money and we want to recruit, but I don't think Disney's hurting. In any and way. I, I would think it's, it's what Netflix does. I read an article recently about how the reason why Netflix um, cancels shows or doesn't renew shows, um, even when they're super successful is because they actually, um, where they make money is when they generate buzz about a new series that encourages people to subscribe yeah, to the platform. To it. Yeah, it makes, um, and that's why they said that they don't see the reason for Netflix to run shows past 
three or four seasons yeah. because they've already got the people. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone who's going to watch that show has already subscribed to the yeah. platform. So Netflix can't make any more money off them. Right. So why didn't Disney do the same thinking that um, anyone who would want to see Mulan who doesn't already have a subscription they would subscribe. Like I would think that they would see an increase in subscriptions now that Mulan has been released. You would think so, but here's my thinking on this, and this is just being cynical. This is what I think happened. I think they thought the movie is simply not good enough to generate enough positive buzz, so we have to get every cent out of every person who's going to watch this. Because once the buzz comes out about it, people are going to be disappointed. Once the reviews... Yeah, because the movie is not that good. That's the problem. The movie is, is in no way close to the original. Cue the not a great sound, not a great plan soundbite. Yes, exactly. For all not of our great. for all of our <laughs> listeners who have been eagerly awaiting the return of not a great plan, let me tell you right now, Taylor's hot take of yeah. this platform funding model not a great plan. Not a great plan. There you go. We, we return to not a great plan. Sound right. and, but, and that's the thing. You're, you're 100% right, Taylor, is it's not a great way, I think, to treat your, your patrons. Your customers. Exactly. You've got them already. Treat them well by giving them nice, great content. But to then charge them $30 is too much, especially for a movie that is you're going to compare it to the original because it's the same title. I believe it's it's not fair for people to say, well, you can't compare it to the original. Then you got to change the title. If you're going to call something the same thing, we're going to compare it to the original. The original Mulan is a better family movie and it's a better movie. It's a live. It's been billed all along as a live action adaptation of Mulan. And they took everything out of the film that made that film special that made Mulan heartfelt and unique and interesting they took it out there's no music there's no Mushu uh, even the character of Mulan doesn't go through the same journey that she does from the original in the original she is someone who who's basically a, a, a commoner who chooses to go into war to save the life of her father. In this one, she's already an amazing warrior, so there's no risk to her in joining the army. Yes, she still saves her father, but you don't feel that same risk. You don't get that same intention of, oh, Mulan's growing and and getting better every day and it's becoming less and less risky that she's here. But at the beginning, you feel this huge risk for her safety. If you start at 210 degrees, you have nowhere to go. And that's what this movie does. It starts at 210, and you get you got nowhere to go. You got nowhere for your character to grow. You have no change within it. There's no arc. It's just here's this this uh, you know this person who can already kick butt, who's great, who's an amazing warrior, and she's in the army, but she's a female, and it's not you know it's not it's against the law. It's not allowed to happen. Okay, that's fine, but it takes all the oomph and heart out of her character because she doesn't grow. She doesn't go anywhere. And does she movie, have to be disguised as a man in this one? She does. She does um, for a period of time. Um, but uh, she has uh, she has no that you never feel risk for her going into this. Um, in the original Mulan, you, you always feel like if she gets captured, she is going to be um, executed, and it'll bring dishonor to her family. And that is still essentially 
the 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 issue in this film it's she wants to bring honor to her family she doesn't want to be found out but she's um she's a a fantastic warrior i mean who's going to execute her um she she would probably destroy anybody who tried to touch her like it's there's no even sense that she's ever at risk or, or at harm and this movie also creates a new villain like shoehorns another villain so the original villain who's attacking like he's invading china has this sort of hawk which this hawk is like a witch in in the new version for some reason so you also have two villains in, in a movie that didn't didn't really need anything else but it's the uh plague scene in uh beauty and the beast all over yeah. again it's like this thing we didn't need to know about <laughs> we we expanded upon for no reason but i really do believe that the the that was the core problems i had with the movie i didn't believe that mulan had anywhere to go and hey i have no problem with if you want to create a an amazing uh warrior character but then you can't really call it mulan because she grows and learns the whole like montage sequence in the film uh, in the original film, of her learning and growing and becoming better, you feel that. You feel that the, the tension starts easy. Like, oh, she's learning how to fight. She's learning how to be a warrior. She she earns the respect of those around her. If you already enter and you're already amazing, well, there's nowhere to go from there. Um, and again, I, I just feel that this movie, it lacked the heart and the, the urgency and the drive that the other movie had. I'm just going to give one really quick example. In the original cartoon Mulan, they're singing a song about the, the women they've left behind, basically. And at the end of this song, it's the music swells and it's all happy. And then there's a really harsh cut as they come to a village that's been burned and everyone's dead. And so the music swells in a happy way and then boom, cut, village. And it's it, get, it guts you because you were just happy and singing and suddenly... It's there. In this version, they just stumble upon the village. They just kind of like walk up to it. And you, it, this, the same emotional impact is not felt. So that's just one little example of what this entire movie did. They took the heart out of it. I feel like, and that's the problem with all these live action adaptations, is that they really don't get what the viewers loved about the original ones. Couldn't agree with you more. And... They take what people love about the original ones, uh, they take it out and then yeah. give us things that we don't want or need or care about. Yeah, 100%. And hey, again, I am all for the the good things that films like this do with, with more diversity in cast, yeah. especially bringing American audiences more diversity on screen, not only in, in the people that you meet, but the cultures. I'm all for that. But as a film and as, a, as something that I'm going to automatically compare to the original because they're both called Mulan, it just doesn't have the same emotional weight that, that makes us talk about the other Mulan years later. This one, I don't think you're going to remember it. It was just – so to me, to me, I am going to give it – I'm going to give it an airplane it just because if you watched it on an airplane for free, yeah, you'd probably be like, oh, that was – Nothing airplane. to lose. Yeah, that was like fine, but I wouldn't pay thirty dollars for this, um, and I would wait till to watch it on an airplane. Go and watch the original. Essentially, yeah, is your which is which is already included in your Disney Plus Absolutely. subscription. It's just a way better movie. Uh, Taylor, that brings us to the end of the episode. We've run out of time. 
Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to kind of our uh, new movie release catch-up. And uh, tune in next week. Go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.